Sarah was a remarkable woman. She believed God by believing her husband. It was a big test. It's amazing that she would willingly leave her family and her home with its comforts and familiarity to wander off to a land that some would call fantasy land. But Sarah's faith was so great, she said yes to what God revealed to Abraham. Imagine how difficult it must have been for her when her husband said that God would make their offspring into a great nation, knowing that she was barren and had no children. And then one day she heard the angel of the Lord tell Abraham that she would conceive a child. Naturally, she laughed, and the angel heard her laugh. This is why her son was called Isaac, which means to laugh. We don't always pass the tests, and neither did Sarah. When after a long period of time she remained childless, Sarah took matters into her own hands and gave her servant to Abraham, saying, have a child through my servant. She did not trust God, so she failed this test, a failure that caused no end of grief for Israel down through the centuries. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Adam, how are you? Want to do me a favor? Want to close that door for me? Everybody give Adam a hand. So anyway, um, good to have you here today. And isn't it exciting how this mortgage is, is disappearing? We're just so thrilled about that. And I want to tell you, uh, Denny is really faithful. As soon as we get, uh, I think, $5,000, and he immediately calls the bank and immediately it goes into the, uh, against the mortgage, so it's coming down fast. So we're just thanking God for that and thanking you for your faithfulness. Amen. So uh, I got to just share something with you. Does anybody recognize this guy? That is Benoit. And back sometime, yeah, isn't that neat? Some time ago, we asked the congregation if you'd be willing to help us uh, raise a few dollars to help him with his dowry. The dowry in Burundi, uh, I think it was about 800 Canadian dollars, uh, is, that's like more than a year's salary for these guys. Uh, in fact, for some, it's a couple years' salary. But anyway, we were able to help him out, and so he sent me this this morning. He got married yesterday. So there it is. So I'll be glad to tell him that uh, our congregation saw the picture and I, I, didn't, I, don't, I can't show you all the pictures this morning, but uh, it's uh, just so delightful to see him happy. And you know, the wonderful thing is we are uh, doing another Village of Hope just outside of um, uh, Bujumbura. And it's going to be this fellow here, as far as I understand, that will be the director of that village. So you see, you see you we're planting these seeds and God is just bring, bringing such good things out of it. So again, I just want to say thank you so much. We're looking at the life uh, of Sarah today, and as we continue on in the series called Cross Church Goes to Summer School, the Summer School of Faith, we're looking at this woman and the, the wonderful test that she was able to pass. Uh, unfortunately, she did fail one of her tests, but she did eventually pass, which you're going to see in a moment. But this woman was faithful, faithful to her husband, faithful to God. And we're going to see that in just a few moments. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever failed a test? <laughs> a lot of chatter there. <laughs> I've never failed a test. Because <laughs> I'm a pastor. I was ordained. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, yes, I was ordained. Um, <laughs> 
But I can tell you, I remember the first test that I failed in grade school, and I had missed the whole uh, starting unit in fractions. And those are the days when you were tested constantly. I don't know if they still do that. But I missed that section because I was sick. And so I got to school, and the teacher was handing out the papers for these tests. And thinking, I don't know, I, you know, too shy to say anything. I didn't say, well, I was sick, I missed this. I just sat down and took the test, and I failed miserably. And I can tell you that I was devastated. I was devastated at the feeling of having failed a test, and I never wanted that sensation of failing again. Now, um, I'm sure that I failed tests since then, but I, uh, I mean, academic tests, but I, I can't think of, of what they would be because... Well, quite frankly, I just hated that feeling. And how many know what I'm talking about when I talk about hating the sensation of failing a test? Anybody like that? Or maybe for some of you, it happens so often you're used to it. <laughs> I don't know. But <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. You don't want to fail the test. You don't like what it does, does to your heart, what it does to your spirit. I wish I could say that I passed all the tests in my life. And the sad fact of the matter is, is that I, I have not. I've not passed all the tests. In fact, I've failed all kinds of tests in my life. And I'm just being totally honest. And I'm, um, I'm telling you what you probably already know about me. In fact, I'm telling you what you know about yourself. There's a lot of things that we may be good at, but there's a lot of things that we're not good at. And I'm going to tell you that one of the things that God wants us to do is he wants us to learn how to pass tests of faith. This is critical. Why are we spending a whole summer on this? Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you hear that? There's, there's no footnote that says, except under certain circumstances. It's just absolutely impossible to please God without faith. So what you and I need to do is we need to learn how to be men and women of faith so that we can please God. And what we have to understand is that the way that God develops faith in us is by allowing us to go through trials and testings. This is why the Apostle, uh, the Apostle Paul gives us so much instruction as to how to live our life so that we can pass the test. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray in the last petition of the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That word temptation is a word testing or trial. When you're leading us into the test, God, help us not to give into temptation. Amen? Amen. So we don't want to give into temptation by failing the test. And here's what happens, folks. Listen, watch this. We fail the test whenever we don't do what God says. Did you get that? We fail the faith test every time we don't do what God says. Because faith is believing God and doing what he says. So you will fail the test when you don't believe God, what he says. And how many know that God gives lots of instructions for life in this book, right? There's lots of instructions. But it's not complicated, folks. Basically, if you, want to just, if you want to just boil it all down to one phrase, it's do God's will every time. Did you hear that? Say it with me. Do God's will every time. That's what faith is. And by the way, can I just throw this in? No extra charge. That's also what holiness is. Holiness is doing God's will every time. So when you and I believe God, when God gives us clear instruction in his word, and he tells us how to live, he tells us what to do, what not to do, 
It's not so that life will be miserable for us. It's so that life will be wonderful for us. Because it's Jesus' will that we have the abundant life. Amen? The abundant life is God's will. And the way that we experience that abundant life is doing God's will every time. So, what we want to learn how to do through the course of the summer months is we want to learn to say, I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. He said, well, hold on, Pastor, before I, I got to think about that for a minute. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. Do you know that this is the very essence of Christianity? The very essence of being a Christian is that you're willing to say to Jesus, I will do whatever you want me to do, Lord. You want me to die for my faith? Yes, Lord, I'll do it. And everybody said? (laughs) That's a trick question, Pastor. (laughs) But that's really what it means to be a Christian, is that we are going to believe God and do whatever he says. To be a Christian means I'm going to do God's will every time. Now, let's take a look at Sarah, because Sarah is the is the object of our discussion today. And in case you don't know who that is, sitting on Sarah's knee is little Isaac. That's right. looks just like Isaac, doesn't it? Well, the Bible says that Sarah was was really good at, at being a woman of faith most times. And so her husband is Abraham, in case you don't know. Abraham... Uh, has, a, has an encounter with God. God says, leave your homeland of Ur, of the Chaldeans, leave this place and go to the place I'm going. And Abraham says, where are we going to go, God? Where, where, what's the name of the town you want us to go to? God says, you'll see. And so Abraham goes to his wife and says, Sarah, I want you to pack everything. She says, are we going on a vacation? No, we're, we're leaving. Where are we going? Well, we're just leaving. We're leaving this place. That's, that's about all I can say. She says, well, you've you got to give me more than that, dear. Dear. <laughs> and, so, and so he says, well, actually, we, we're just going to leave town, and uh, we're packing everything up. And she said, by pa- packing everything up, what, what exactly do you mean? She said, he said well, well, all the servants and their children and all the livestock, the sheep, and all the, whatever it is, we've got to back pack that up, we're taking it. And she says, and where are we going? And he says, you'll see. (laughs) And the Bible says that she goes along with it. She says, okay, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. And this was really her first test of faith, that she is going to believe God by believing her husband, who is the leader in their home. And this is what it says in 1 Peter 3, 6. For instance, and by the way, this is a verse that nobody nowadays quotes because it's, it, it's, it's not palatable to uh, people in 2017. But here's what it says. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband. All the ladies said, <laughs> I heard one brave soul say, A. <laughs> Oh my, I think we should change the series. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll carry on. Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, uh, and that's her husband, and called him her master. And all the ladies said, there's a few. Summer said amen. So guys, um, you are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your, husband, your husbands might do. 
Now, I'm not going to get into, because I could, I could, we could preach on this for days, right? But here's what you need to understand, is that Abraham and Sarah are a team. They're one flesh. Really critical for couples especially to understand this. Abraham and Sarah are one flesh. They're one. And God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham, we are going, uh, you're, you're, we're going, Abraham, we're going to leave this land. We're going to a land that you, that you are called to go to. And Sarah says, yes, I'm in. Count me in. I'm good to go. Abraham was not, was not the kind of, it wasn't, wasn't, how can I put this? He wasn't a jerk. He was there to serve his wife, to serve his family, to serve his servants, to serve his household, and to serve God. And so what he's saying is, this is what I feel God is saying that we need to do. And Sarah says, count me in, I'm in. So she believed God by believing her husband. And then eventually there's another test that she passes. But I say eventually, because she didn't pass it at first. She failed it the first time around. But let me tell you about the test that she did eventually pass. She was getting older and she couldn't conceive a child and Abraham, again, has a conversation with God. You know, every time Abraham hangs out with God, you know, Sarah has no idea what he's going to come home with. But Abraham says to his wife, hey, dear, you're going to have a baby. And, um, and you, we are going to be the parents of so many people that you can't even count them all. And Sarah's saying, okay, I'm in my 80s now, and I haven't had a child yet. Are you, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? But it was no joke. And so God tells Abraham, you're going to be richly blessed to be the father of more descendants than you can count. You can read about it in Genesis 15. The problem is, is that in telling Abraham that he's going to be the father of more people than he can ever count, there was no children. He had no children. They were barren. They had nothing. And... Uh, Abraham says to God, well, uh, I don't have any kids. So I'm assuming that it'd be one of my, heir, like maybe somebody that I adopt will be the one who is the heir of all the blessings that you're going to give me. God says, no, it's going to be one of your kids. It's gonna be, that's not going to be a servant. So Sarah's husband says uh, to his wife, you're going to be the mother of more people than you can count. And eventually she does have a son. And his name is Isaac. And by the way, that name Isaac, it means laughter. And you can imagine when she heard the news that she was going to be a mother in her 80s and he was 100. I mean, great gales of laughter erupted in their home. Do we have anybody here that's 100 years old? Anybody 99, 98, 97? I was going to get you to stand up, but that probably wouldn't be wise. A hundred-year-old man and a woman who's going to be uh, probably, well, pretty close to 90, 91 years old. No wonder they laughed. They thought it was hilarious. They thought God has got an amazing sense of humor. But what's God doing? He's showing at, uh, Abraham and Sarah that he is sovereign. Can I teach you a brand new word? Because a lot of people don't know the word sovereign. Does anybody know that word Sovereign. It means that God is completely and utterly in control of everything. We sometimes refer to the king as the sovereign. The problem is, is when we use it in, on, on earth, in earthly terms, it, it doesn't have quite the punch. 
But the Bible speaks of the sovereignty of God. God is more, is all powerful. He's greater than any power in heaven or on earth. And if God says you're going to have a baby when you're 100, you're going to have a baby when you're 100. Amen? Some are not sure about that. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. Now, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you. I want that to sink into your heart, your spirit, your mind right now. Because whatever it is that you're going through or struggling with, whatever it is that maybe God has spoken to your heart at some time in the past, and he told you that something was going to come to be, and you've given up hope, and maybe you've, you've gotten discouraged, and you think, you know, God, where are you? You seem so distant from me. You don't seem to be fulfilling your promises to me. I want you to remember Sarah and Abraham at 100 and the other at 90. And the Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11. By the way, Hebrews 11 is a chapter we're going through right now. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. It was by faith. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promises. So she did pass that test, but she didn't at first. She failed it at first. Her husband's come along and she, he's pressuring her, or at least she's feeling pressure. He's not saying anything, but she's feeling the pressure. You know, God, uh, God wants us to be parents. And, and really, Abraham can't bear children, only she can, so she's feeling the pressure. How is God going to fulfill his promise if she's not having a child? She's getting old. She's in her 80s, coming up to 90, no children. She's feeling the pressure. She's feeling... Very much depressed, I'm sure. She's feeling maybe shame because in those days, if a woman didn't give birth to a child, there was shame attached to it. They called her barren, a desert. What a horrible thing to call a woman. But that's what she was feeling. She's supposed to give her husband a child, and it's not happening. He told her that that was going to happen. He heard from God. And so Genesis chapter 16 tells us of the little plan that she concocted. Now, I want, the, I want the Spirit of God to speak to you because here, my friends, is something that we all can relate to. So here's Sarah. Things aren't working out the way she expects them to work out. She's been praying about it, but nothing's happening. No children, and she's discouraged. Hey, are you feeling like that today? Your life got some problems today? You've been praying about it. Things aren't working out. You're struggling. You wonder, God, are you there? Hello? You pray, and it seems like the heavens are brass. God doesn't seem to be answering your prayer. Things just don't seem to be working out, and you cannot for the life of you figure out what's going on. And you are going to be tempted to come up with your own plan. How many know what I'm talking about? You're going to be tempted to take your life into your own hands. And you're going to say, if God's not going to act, then I'm going to act. If God doesn't hurry up and do the thing that I think he should be doing, then I'm going to take charge of my life, and I'm going to make this thing happen. That's what Sarah does. So here's what the Bible says. So Sarai, you'll notice her name is Sarai. And his name is Abram. They're not called Sarah and Abraham yet, but you're going to see why in just a few moments. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as, 
as a wife. Her plan is this. Hagar is my property. So if Hagar has a baby, that baby will be my property. So this is her, this is her, her twisted thinking. I mean, it was the only solution she could come up with. How many know today that so often we come up with solutions and we think it's the only solution, but meanwhile, God's got one that you haven't thought of. And you start getting ahead of God and you start making plans and you start saying things and doing things and spending money on things and making plans and God's saying, no, that's not what I want. But you see, you couldn't wait for God. And so God looks on at poor Abram and Sarai. Abraham sees how desperate his wife is, and he says, okay, I'll do it. The Bible doesn't record that he puts a a fight on this. At this point, you know, I got to put some blame on Abraham. The great man of faith sees his wife struggling, suffering, and rather than saying, honey, don't worry, don't worry, God is in charge, God is in control, He lets her despair, her fear, take charge. This happens in many people's lives, in many couples' lives. Men, your job is to be a leader in your home, a spiritual leader. I'm not saying that you're the dictator or the boss, but your job is to serve your family, your wife, and your children, and to make sure that you are inspiring faith in their hearts. That's your job, men. Abraham didn't do it. She's desperate, she's panicking, and rather than imparting faith to his wife, he just goes along with her harebrained idea. She took matters into her own hands. We do that. And I'm going to tell you, every time you take matters into your own hands, that's when you get into trouble. In fact, some of us are in trouble right now. You're here today, and you'd say, Pastor Allen, are you reading my logbooks? Are you reading my journal? How did you know? I know my life is not where it needs to be. My marriage is in trouble. I got problems with my kids, my job. I'm in trouble. I want you to stop and take a, just, just take a look at your life. At what point did you start taking charge of your life and stop trusting God? At what point did you stop doing what God says? At what point did you stop believing God and doing what he says? Because the minute that you stop believing God and doing what God says is the moment that you're going to get into trouble. And that's exactly what happens to Sarah here. When we fail to trust the Lord and take matters into our own lives, that's when we get into trouble. If God says no, but you insist on yes, then be prepared for trouble. Did you, did you get that? If God says no and you say yes, be prepared for trouble. Now, it's not because God hates you, because God's mean and vindictive. It's God's just letting you experience what happens when you take matters into your own hands. That's when we get into trouble. And so here's what happens. Hagar does get pregnant. She gives birth to a little boy that she calls Ishmael. As soon as Hagar is, is pregnant, this is, again, remember, the, she's the, the servant girl, the slave of, of Sarah. She's an Egyptian girl, in fact. She starts getting uppity with her master. You can have a child, but I have your husband's baby inside. What do you think of that? 
This is the Oprah show. <laughs> you could just hear this on the Oprah show, can't you? And she's, oh, maybe not, maybe Murray Povich or something. She's yelling, at, she's yelling at Sarah and Oprah's trying to calm them all down, trying to get to the bottom of this. The fact of the matter is, is that it was a stupid move, really a stupid move. It was stupid of Sarah, it was stupid of Abraham, it was stupid of, well, Hagar had no control over the matter. But it was stupid of her to, to brag and to gloat. And next thing you know, Sarah goes to Abraham and says, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. You shouldn't have gone along with this. You, shouldn't have, you should have stopped this. And, and now I want you to get rid of her. And Abraham's like, okay, I've had enough of this. Your servant, do whatever you want with her. And next thing you know, Sarah kicks Hagar out. Look what it says here about Ishmael. Ishmael, that's Hagar's son, will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Now, some of you may or may not know this, but Ishmael is considered to be the father of all Arabs. Ishmael is recognized as an important prophet and patriarch in his in the Islamic faith, he maybe didn't know that. A patriarch and a prophet is Ishmael. Most of us have never heard of him. We don't know anything about him, but he is considered a great man amongst the Muslims. The Muslims also believe that Muhammad was a descendant of Ishmael and that Ishmael would establish a great nation as promised by God. Now, that is actually true. God does tell Hagar, that that's what will happen through his son. And so here we have poor Hagar and the dejected little Ishmael. And I, want, I wanted you to see this. I want you to see the humanness behind this. Because oftentimes we read this story and we don't really think about this. We don't think about the pain and the suffering that is caused by our stupid mistakes. We do things contrary to the will of God, and we get ourselves into trouble, and it's not just us that it affects, it affects everybody. Did you hear that today? Your sin, your unwillingness to believe God and do what God says does not just affect you, it affects your children, it affects your friends, your parents, it affects your wife, your husband, it affects everybody. And so there's poor Hagar, the wonderful thing is, and I haven't got time to go into it today, maybe in another series we'll talk about Hagar, but the Spirit of God comes to her. The angel of the Lord comes and comforts her and gives her words of encouragement and provides for her. But what, what's happened now is Sarah has unleashed an enemy, an ancient enemy. In the birth of that little boy, Ishmael, who looks so innocent there, we see from his offspring what we now call the enemies of the Jews. From Ishmael comes the, the Arab people. And by the way, it's the Islamic people, it's the Muslim people, it's Arabs themselves that consider Ishmael to be their ancestor. It's not just me 
supposing. This is what they say. And that includes Palestinians. Does anybody know about the struggle between Israel and the Palestinians? Anybody ever heard of that? It's in the news almost weekly. Donald Trump's son-in-law said that he was going to go over and he's going to solve the problem. Everybody laughs. Because you know how ridiculous it is. That is unless he's the Antichrist. But that's a story for another day. Egypt is called the Arab Republic of Egypt. Did you know that? That's the real name of Egypt, the Arab Republic of Egypt. Since the early 1900s, there have been literally, uh, was been an exodus of li- literally millions of Jews out of all Arab nations. Why? Because of the persecution, because of the hatred. Because, well, let's take a look at that verse again. Because of the untamed and wild donkey. Raising his fists against everyone and, every, uh, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. And we're seeing right now, we're seeing attacks around the world in, in every part of the Western countries and many of the Middle East countries all over the world. We're seeing the fruit of Sarah's failure. She didn't pass the test the first time around. Thank God she passed it eventually, but not the first time. Now, I'm so thankful that the scripture includes not just the successes of the great patriarchs and matriarchs. I'm so glad the Bible also includes the failures because that's what most of us can relate to. Amen? We are inspired by the great acts of faith of the great men and women of faith. And we we look at them as people to aspire to. But the reality is that the failings, the struggles, that's what we can relate to even better. You may be here this morning and you're struggling right now with something in your life. And... And the Spirit of God speaking to you about surrendering your life to Him. God wants you to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I think back to the number of times I prayed for something and prayed fervently and God said, no, 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 no. And I was so disappointed and so heartbroken. But as the years went by, I began to think, wow. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer. I mean, you know what I'm saying today. Thank God he didn't answer that prayer. Thank God he loved me enough to do his will and not mine. Whenever we do God's will on earth as it is in heaven, folks, that's, my friends, when we know the joy and the victory that God wants us to have as his children. Sarah didn't trust God. She failed this test. And this failure has caused no end of grief for Israel through the centuries. I'm going to tell you that today. Your failure, your unwillingness to pass the test that God's given you right now, if you don't pass that test, it may very well be the thing that causes untold grief for your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. It may be the very thing that causes grief in your marriage. It may be the thing that causes you to lose your job. It may be the thing that causes you to lose your health. It may be the thing that causes you 
to even lose your mind. The Spirit of God is here today. And he wants you to enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. But the only way that can happen is by, will, by our willingness to say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Look at this wonderful verse here in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7a, and then 7b. These trials, Peter tells us, because the people in, in his day, they were going through extraordinary trials as Christians. To be a Christian meant that you're going to be persecuted. We haven't experienced that yet. Some of us experienced a little bit of that, being a Christian. You're not a Christian. You don't really believe in that stuff, do you? Oh, my goodness. Are you out of your mind? But in Peter's day, people were not just ridiculed for their faith. They were put to death for their faith. And Peter says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Look at this. Look at this, folks. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. My friends, if you have faith today, you have something far more precious than gold. And here's what I know as somebody who has struggled to do the will of God my whole life. Oh, I've failed a lot of tests. I have failed. I couldn't even begin to tell you. That's why I'm qualified to speak about these things. Your faith is going to be tested. And you may be tested right now. And you may be wondering, God, where are you? How come you're not answering prayers? He is. He's answering prayers. He's right nearby. And he's purifying your faith. And you say, why? Why does it matter? Why, why do I have to go through this? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's the second part of this verse. It says, when your faith remains strong through many trials, through many testings, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Can I remind everybody of something right now? You and I were created, put on this earth to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what you're here for. You are here today to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, when it comes to the enjoying part, cool with that. I like that. I like the idea of enjoying God, coming to church, worshiping and praising him. Can we sing more songs, Pastor? Can we sing some of the old favorites? That's the great part, the fun part. The glorifying God part is also great, but it's difficult because here's what God wants for you as a Christian. God wants you to live your life so that God is honored. Or as Jesus puts it in the Sermon on the Mount, so that whatever you do causes everybody around you to praise your Father in heaven. Is that how you're living your life? Is your life causing other people to praise your Father in heaven? When people look at your life, do they see God? Do they see Jesus at work? Do they say, you know, whatever he's got, I want that. Look how happy he is. Look how joyful he is. Look how he serves other people. Look how he puts other people first. Look how gracious and kind she is. I want that. I want that faith. 
That's what Jesus created us for. To enjoy him, but to bring glory to his name. I'm going to tell you, your faith is going to continue to be tested so that you learn how to be experts at glorifying God. Amen? Let's stand together and pray, shall we? Father, when we think of Sarah's life, we think of the, the tests that she did pass, and here now, thousands of years later, we're still celebrating and rejoicing in her faith. But God, we want to say thank you that the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of Scripture to include the failures as well. We could have glossed over that part because it's, it's, not, it's not pretty. It's pretty messy and it's, it's pretty dark. But God, you allowed it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that so many of us have very dark spots in our lives. And some here today may be feeling overwhelmed by guilt and overwhelmed by darkness. But thank you, God, that by your spirit, you bring light to our dark hearts. And you show us what it means to live in the light and to walk in the light. We think of Sarai. And after she failed the test, God, you came and you ministered to her in a, in a very precious way. And Sarai, which means lady, was changed to Sarah, which means princess. God, today, let, let that reality strike each and every one of us. You want to take us to a new place in our relationship with you. You want to transform us. It's as Sarah was changed from just a lady to a princess. God, you want to do that for us. You want to make us into great men and great women of God to bring glory to your name and to enjoy you forever. So God, we thank you for that. And we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. We ask that you help us pass every test. And everyone said it? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go pass every test. <laughs>